0: Welcome to the Intentional House Podcast. Here, it's all about creating beautiful homes that actually help families love better. Here's your host, the home coach herself, Carly Thornock. Hey, homies, it's Carly. So glad you are here. This is the official podcast of Intentional House, where we just drool over helping families design and then maximize their homes to be wonder-filled connection magnets. That is right. Now, here in Utah, where I live, the sunshine is peeking out, and I just forget how lovely that is. You know, we get going in winter, and it's long, and it's cold, and it's a little bit cloudy, obviously, and when springtime hits and the sun peeks out, oh my gosh, it makes my week. That's what I've been up to this week, and I just am thrilled. I'm thrilled that my kids are playing outside. I'm thrilled that my spirits are enlivened. A little vitamin D goes a long way, you know what I mean? I hope that you are enjoying the sunshine wherever you happen to be as well. Also, this week over here at our house, we are taking our RV out for its maiden voyage with a new battery system. Very exciting, right? (laughs) So we just finished up all these renovations on our RV. We bought it, and it was Hunter's Paradise. It had, uh, you know, like the RV vinyl walls with a strip of wallpaper across the middle, and it looked like it was... Old school luxury hunter setup from the 80s. It was fabulous. Granted, it was a 2011 trailer, so it's like maybe nine years old. <laughs> uh, anyway, we painted it all white. We ripped everything out, all the carpet. Put in some vinyl plank flooring. We put in a great dining table and a cute little futon. We redid everything in this trailer, and it was beautiful. And we cannot take, cannot wait to take it out. This weekend, we're gonna go down uh, probably like three hours away south, where it's gonna be a little warmer even than it is here. Hooray! And we're going to a friend's farm to help with lambing. With lambing. I've never gone to help with a lambing experience before, and I am so excited. Uh, My kids are super excited. We're gonna see how this goes. I have bought some rubber boots for the whole family, so it's absolutely official. And owning a pair of muck boots has been on my bucket list for years. So we are crossing that off finally, like some boots for working, you know, so excited. So I'll keep you posted on how that goes down and everybody wish us luck. If you haven't checked out the RV renovation, we have, um, some posts about it up on the blog and we talk about it on Instagram as well. You can see some fun before and afters of all the things we did. And if you are thinking about moving into a tiny house or doing the RV reno thing, I would love to help you. It's one of these. Great exercises in both minimization and also like storage solution prowess. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email and I would love to hook you up and help you out. This week, I have a little lifesaver that I cannot even wait to tell you about. Now I talk about little lifesavers every week here on the podcast and this week brought a tear to my eye when I discovered this little product and I hope that you enjoy it as well. And I hope that (laughs) my my kids are like, Carly, mom, they call me mom. Don't worry. They're like, mom, the amount of joy you get out of this is a little bit obscene. They also don't say obscene. They're four years old, but they look at me like, this is so weird. You're a crazy person, mom. Okay, let's get to it. This is kettle and fire brand chicken broth. Have you guys ever tried their chicken broth? I am a big broth fan. I totally think the broth is the elixir of life. Uh, However, it takes a very long time to make. And it takes some good hunting skills to find the right bones slash vegetables slash spices to make it awesome. And I have found that I make bone broth very poorly sometimes. So I love being able to buy it from a reputable source that doesn't add extra stuff and kettle and fire does this now this week you guys i found their coconut curry bone broth flavor and i am ecstatic okay if you've not tried it already it comes in a a greenish bluish box which i also am very happy about but it's so good it's so so freaking good you gotta have to you have to try it this very second you can buy it on amazon okay What has been your little lifesaver this week? Send an email to Carly at intentionalhouse.com to share them and you can ask me any of your house questions and I would love to feature your favorite thing, your little lifesaver or a question that you have about your house here on the podcast. It's so fun to hear from you. So please don't hesitate. Shoot me an email. All right, let's jump into the good stuff this week. This week we are talking about designer versus house coach. What the heck is a house coach? What does that even mean? What do we teach houses to do? What are we coaching houses to be good at? And what's the difference between an interior designer and a house coach? These are great questions. And I really talk to a lot of people about this. So I I thought it'd be a really fun thing to address here on the podcast in case you're wondering the same thing. Now, the easiest way for me to explain what a house coach is is by explaining to you the hierarchy of house needs. Now, this is something that I put together based on the work of Abraham Maslow, who's a legendary psychologist. And he, when I was in my child development master's program, I got into his work, totally love all that he does. And he designed what's called the hierarchy of needs. And this is just more basic level human psychology stuff where at the bottom of this pyramid that he made, you have like your... your your basic needs like food, shelter, water, right? And then as you progress up this pyramid, you have safety needs and then relationship needs and then esteem needs. And then at the very top, you have what he calls self-actualization. And this is when you can become a creative contributor to society where you are meeting all of the criteria of enlightenment. You know what I mean? It can go as deep as you want to be self-actualized, but you have to meet the tears below in order to get yourself to this place of abundance. So you have to feel safe in like your body. You have to know that you're not going to die at any given moment. Then you have to feel safe in your relationships and then you have to feel safe in your emotional health and then you can progress to self-actualization. So I translated this over into how we interact with our houses because while it's very similar, there are also a few things that are key differences when it comes to our houses that really make a difference to understand. And especially when it comes to someone who might be moving or building a new house or embarking on a renovation adventure, or even just somebody who's wanting to add some life and spark back into their existing home and maximize what they already have. It's super important to understand this hierarchy of home needs because It helps us know where to start and what to do next. So this is like the roadmap of how you use your house and how you set up a wonderful, amazing house. So let's jump into it. With the hierarchy of home needs, we have four tiers, very similar to, to Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now, if you'll imagine this pyramid shape with like a triangle, or you could even do like pyramid pyramid and think about the Giza pyramids in Egypt and make this a little 3D experience in your mind. Either way, however you want to imagine it, man, you do it. So base tier, this is along the bottom. This is the thick foundational tier that we start with. And this includes things like shelter, warmth, protection from the elements. You need to feel safe here. You need to have a base level of like non-toxicity where you're not breathing lead paint or you don't have sewer leakage everywhere. You need sanitation and healthy water and healthy uh, ways for you to get rid of your garbage and then the third element of the base tier, so we have shelter, safety, and then the third element is mindset. And this is love and belonging. Now I put mindset in this base tier because I have seen people who live in um like third world countries and third world conditions, or even they just live in cold weather, which to me, you know, is, is really hard, right? <laughs> cold is hard sometimes. Um and they have so much love and they feel so much belonging, and they live beautiful, happy lives. In fact, the happiest people in the world for years and years, based on research, are the Scandinavians. And they, I think, personally, have a challenge of it being dark for a long time out of the year. It's cold, right? This cold thing keeps coming back here. We have a theme today. Um, And they are the happiest people in the world. So obviously, there's more to living a fulfilling, beautiful, wonderful, happy life than your circumstances of where you live, or even like the amount of warmth you receive from the sun based on the earth's rotation, right? So I know that mindset, your mindset about your house and feeling love and belonging with the people you share your life with um, is one of these base tier, elemental things that without it, your experience at home will crumble and crumble very fast. This is what we build our foundation on. Moving up to the second tier, we have what I call the function tier. And this is... Fun with our house because this is where you think about comfort and where you're like, oh yeah, sure, I'm safe here, things are clean. What next? And you're like, I need a I need a quality bed. I need that recliner so I can really enjoy my life. This is all the comforts and the ways that you like lean into how you use your space, your preferences, the textures you like, and just those the little things that make your house function the way you want it to. You have the faucet that's beautiful that pours out the clean water, right? Along with comfort, you have privacy and autonomy and independence in the function tier. So you have the space that you need to get away, but you also have the space that you need to be involved with your family or the people you choose to entertain at your house. It works for you. Your house supports the tasks of your life that you need to get done it's ergonomic it works with your body in a really comfortable way so like the doorknobs aren't too high or too low and the drawers don't bonk into stuff and it just functions well it's a well-oiled machine it works this is your second tier now if we have everything working well and meeting your basic needs then we can move up to the next tier the third tier which is the design tier and this is all about beauty this is where you think about cohesiveness and color schemes, patterns and aesthetic. When you talk about design styles and how you can merge your style with a partner's style and what it means to use the rule of threes or what it means to have color cohesion, right? This is all in the design tier. Super fun. And once you have... Uh, recognize all that you need to do in the design tier you can move up to the final tier which is called the intentional tier this has all the cool things that your house can support above and beyond function and design we hear about form and function anybody who's taken like architecture and design 101 can tell you that like form and function is the debate of the ages between architects and designers and the people who live in their creations, where some people are saying form follows function, which means it should, you should just decide how things should function and you should build on top of that and make it beautiful. But there are other people who say you should just have a beautiful house and you're going to learn how to use it just fine. And you'll use it in ways that work for the house. So in that way, function follows form. Um, If I had to choose one, I probably would choose the form follows function camp. I, I I like function first, and then I like to make it beautiful. But you know what? It's a chicken or the egg kind of thing. They both impact our lives. They both are important. But recognizing that there's something beyond the form versus function argument is so empowering. And that is this intentional tier. This is when we recognize that we can own our spaces, that we can own our lives, that we have choice and we have freedom and we can be authentically ourselves. We can show up in a personalized way and it can be good and it can be amazing and it can be only ours. And that is enough. It's so powerful. Then another thing in the intentional tier that we need to really lean into is this connection potential. Our houses in particular have a really, really important component and an important role to play in the in connecting us, especially as families and especially as individuals, both to our God and to ourselves and to the world at large and nature and the universe. Okay, so we have this relationship and parenting enhancement potential of our house. Um, we can have personality specific fusion in the way we design. Like you, your personality can shine in your house, not just like what colors you like, but like the things that you value and your deep down commitments to your moral compass. This can come through in your house. We have sensory processing awareness here. You know, a lot of us, all of us, have bodies, obviously, and we experience the world on a few different levels and mainly through our five senses, the things we see, taste, touch, feel, and hear, uh, it all impacts us. And it all impacts the way our brains think about and our bodies interact with the environment that surrounds us. Now, how important is it to nail this at home and how much do we talk about it? Never Unless you have a sensory processing disorder or you have a child who does, we don't talk about when you feel overwhelmed by stimulation or when you feel bored by stimulation. This is so important. It totally affects the quality of your life and we need to be talking about it, right? That's, that's the only way you can really like step into the self-actuali- self-actualizing idea of your house is by understanding how it affects you. And like your tendency and belief systems around it. Oh my gosh, so fun. This is where emotional safety comes in in the intentional tier. And this is where we experience flow. Now I'm sure you've heard about flow. This is when you can get into an activity that has you working with your highest brain capacity, but it's not something that is too hard that you want to quit. You just get into this area of psychology of your psyche where time flies You're contributing at your highest contribution level. You are being pushed, but you feel competent. And it's amazing. You're in alignment with your highest purpose. You're involved in becoming you, can feel vulnerable but safe. You can create a world of interdependence with another person or group of people. And you can really tap into owning your perspective and the way your unique thought patterns affect the way you see your environment. It's everything. This is so important to recognize because a lot of designers just live in the design tier in just this design tier, the third tier, they come in and they say, Oh, well, we can make this beautiful. You saw this picture on Pinterest. Let's recreate it. And they forget the filter that comes between being inspired by something and thinking like, Oh, that's cute. I like that. And then the filter That needs to be there to determine what you actually put into your house and the filter you know is comprised of all these things in the in the uh, hierarchy of house needs like what makes you feel safe uh what is functional for your family but we neglect to filter through these intentional design choices and think about how does this enhance my connection who am i connecting with if i put this in my house what's its purpose how am i going to use this thing that i'm considering to its highest potential and what is my highest goal in my life like my 10,000 foot goal of life that the thing that's going to be on my tombstone the thing that I want people to remember me for is this thing going to contribute to my highest purposes in this world we don't have these fine mesh filters on our stuff on the way we bring things into our homes. We just think, oh, that's cute. It should go in my house. And we bring it in and we're living with it. And it's giving us these vibrations and we're interacting with them. And do we like that? Have we been intentional enough about that? We can't just bring everything that's cute or that we like or that like pings our brains with stimulation and attraction into our homes. That cannot be the deciding factor. We have to get more clear than whether or not it's cute to go into our house. Now, designers, if you're have a good designer, they will be good at the functional phase too. This functional tier they'll they'll dip into it and they will ask you questions about how you live your life and they will do their best to meet your needs. but really, they live in aesthetic it's about the throw pillows, it's about the color combos, it's about the curtains and the rug it's about how it all goes together and is this important? Oh my heavens, yes i am a designer. I love this. It's what I do. I I'm, I'm an interior expert and having it be beautiful is such an important component of the pie, but I'm telling you it is not as big of a piece of the pie as we think it is. What is the biggest chunk of the pie of our, uh, the way we feel about our house and how much we like our houses is not how it looks. The biggest piece of the pie is how we choose to think about our houses and the way that we can use our houses to meet our highest goals. Beyond these semi effective results that your typical interior designer can bring, um, the gaps that I notice in the design world are in the lack of an intentional tier. They don't even know that it's there, they don't even know that your marriage can be enhanced or can be uh, really challenged by your interior design choices. Now, anybody who's ever built a house <laughs> will tell you that it was probably one of the hardest things that they've done in their marriage. A lot of people have a hard time making decisions about their homes and the tiny little minute details and agreeing and having the humility and vulnerability and truth-telling capacity that it takes to design or build a house with somebody else. It's very difficult. And so we all need this intentional tier. Because this is where we can make these decisions spark connection instead of sparking contention. Are you with me? So establishing a home where intentional to your life is automatic and families are propelled in a very like uh, forward-moving way in an easy, automatic way toward their dreams and visions is what I dream about. I want everybody to have a house that is totally helping them become this self-actualized person they were meant to be. That is what I want. There's just so much more beyond beauty. So much more beyond beauty. So much more beyond Pinterest, even though we just love Pinterest. I love Pinterest. I'm with all the Pinterest lovers. I Totally love Pinterest, but there's more. There's more beyond beautiful. And it is our relationships with other people. Now, just like anything, um... The basics are what are most important. And the same is true with designing your house. And the same is true with the hierarchy of home needs. And here's what I mean. Uh, As we progress through these tiers and through these stages of building our house and interacting with our house in really intentional ways, we get to the intentional tier and we're like, awesome, we're thinking about how our parenting is influenced by the stuff around us. This feels so good. And then something crazy is going to happen. And you're going to feel like the entire intentional hierarchy of house needs flips on its head. What I mean is this. You're in the intentional tier and then all of a sudden your intentional tier fans out to become the foundation tier. And it inverts so that all of the tiers previously coming before in the pyramid leading up to the intentional tier now are built upon your intentional foundation. So you no longer make decisions about something that you just see that's beautiful. But if it's beautiful in a way that is intentional to you and promoting your biggest life goals, visions, and dreams, then it defines your sense of beauty. And then it's invited into your home. And no longer is your idea of comfort and function purely just physical. It's not just about the day-to-day. It's not about the routine. It's not about the rote. It's about the bigger goal. It's about These lifelong foundational dreams that you have for who you want to become. And that's what the the function of your house is, to help you with that. And then in this new inverted pyramid here where we have intentional on the bottom, and then you have beauty, and then you have function. And then the, the pinnacle reverses and becomes what used to be the foundation, which is your basics, which are shelter, which are your mindset, your love and belonging and even like your health and sanitation where you think about everything about your house in a different way where maybe you want to get more intentional about the waste you're creating maybe you want to get more intentional about the power you're using or the sources of power or the products that are in your home and the toxicity or non-toxicity of them you start asking harder questions and these basics become the the thing that you work on the most as you are mastering living in your space. Isn't that so exciting? Okay. That's a lot. Understanding the hierarchy is the key difference between just a regular designer and intent and an intentional house coach. Oh, it's just so much more nuanced, but there are times when a designer is absolutely the right choice for your home needs. And these are the cases where if you care a lot about getting your house to look really good in a fairly short amount of time, designer, designer is great for you. Granted, when you're overhauling a space and buying anything new, you can plan on, oh, 16 weeks for a new piece of furniture to be able to be ordered and produced into your house. So, you know, the timeline of interior design is definitely longer than that at Wendy's. But if you want your, if you want your house to get looking good. And that's kind of all you care about. And you want it to happen fast interior designer. It's a great choice. If you're happy to redecorate often, um, interior designers are a great choice. They are very clued in on what's trendy and what looks really good for right now. And they're brilliant at that. And so if that's what you're looking for, awesome. Hire, hire, hire them. If you're working with a coach and you've determined all of your motivations and established your vision, and you just need a little bit of extra help sourcing materials, that's a great reason to use an interior designer. That's even a great reason to use online design resources like Modsy or Havenly, where you can get a design in a week for your house with all the sourcing materials. Now, if you are already working with a coach and you understand what you need from your house, this is great. And this turns in like their $500 ask per room, it turns your investment into making it like a $5,000 value because you understand how you're going to use your house. You understand what you need and you just have them go look for bar stools for you that are black and have like a little fancy thing that you like, but then you don't have to spend so much time sourcing. Uh, Another time to hire an interior designer is you want a done for you option. You just want somebody to come in, measure your space, buy your stuff. You don't want to think about it. Don't want to worry about it. Don't want to do it. Now, the problem with this approach, though, is that who's living in your house? It's you. You can't get somebody to come in and do your living for you in your house. It's always going to be you. And so I feel really passionately that everybody should be involved in their house design as much as they are able to. And I understand that some people don't love throw pillows like others do, right? Some people just love design, like picking out throw pillows. And the designer in us, the designer in me does love doing that. Matching patterns and making it all look so cute and so great. But the pillows that I'm going to choose for you, if I just came in and I was like, okay, you like gray, Great, I'll go get you some gray pillows without asking fundamentally different questions about your lifestyle, your needs, your wants, your visions, your family, those pillows aren't going to work for you. You already know these things about your family intuitively. You already know these things about your life intuitively. And that is why it's so critical to be able to uh, be part of this process and not just accept what somebody gives you to put into your house. Sometimes we do this with healthcare where we go to the doctor and we see them as an expert and I do love doctors but sometimes they'll recommend something and instead of thinking about it and doing our own research and feeling if it's right for us and thinking about if this is our preference and the course of action we choose to to take we just do it kind of blindly. Now I'm not ever saying that doctors advice is wrong. Nope, I'm not. But I'm saying that we need to take ownership of our lives and our health and our houses to not just accept, quote unquote, expert advice at face value. We need to question. We need to figure out if it feels right. We need to um, be able to experiment and to problem solve and to fail over and over and over uh, until we get the results that we're looking for. Because ultimately, we are the ones who are in charge of our lives and in charge of our stuff. And in charge of the things we allow into our personal space. So if that's when it's great for an interior designer to be your expert of choice, when is a coach, an intentional house coach, the right answer for you? If you care more about your relationships than what your house looks like, a coach is right for you. And if you want both, if you want great relationships and a beautiful house, a coach is right for you. Because you can absolutely have both of those things, but it's going to be a lot harder than just picking out throw pillows, right? If you are really invested in curating your environment to elevate and supplement your lifestyle, to make it easier to live the life that you've always imagined, then a coach is the right answer for you. If you're wanting to lead your design choices, but you need somebody to make sure that they're on the right track and that they're feel cohesive, According to a bigger plan, that is a perfect time to hire a coach. If you need a little help generating the whole picture of a home design, like getting the from studs to finish work in your brain and understanding how it all works together and understanding how your family is going to live in a space and somebody who can walk you through the whole process hand in hand with you and be your advocate then a coach is right for you. I feel like an intentional house coach is like a, a birth doula for your house where you are the boss and they are just there to support you and help you make sure that you can tap into what you actually want. Then you need a coach. If, that, if you like that idea, you need a coach. If you love the self-help realm, if you want to really improve yourself through the whole process of design, if you want to improve your relationships and you don't want to get a divorce during your remodel, then a coach is right for you. If you want to feel awesome about everything you put in your house, and if you want to know that you can make great changes as your home and the people in it evolve over time, a coach is right for you. If you don't want to question or worry and you want to feel empowered about your house and the way you uh, use it and the way you clean it and the way you invite people into it, then a coach is absolutely right for you. So I hope that those are, uh, that that kind of helps you understand where you might be in both the hierarchy of home needs kind of triangle path and also what you might need when it comes to an expert that you might be considering hiring. They both have their their pros and cons, their strengths and weaknesses, but understanding of both, you can work with both to make your dreams come true, right? It's all about knowledge. Knowledge is power. And with that being said, we have a bunch of house coaches at Intentional House that would love to help you with your home design project. So go on over to the website, intentionalhouse.com. And if you need a little bit of help, be sure to fill out our survey and get on a phone call with someone who can help you decide exactly what you need and how we can help you best. Next up, we have today a listener question. We have Sarah today. She asked, okay, Carly, what do I do about birthdays and holidays and grandparents? I know that you teach simplicity and essentialism with our things, but how do you handle gifts? How do you handle birthdays without going crazy? What a great question. Okay, first, it's so important to remember, mamas and even papas out there, you are the steward of what comes into your house. You, you're the boss. You get the ultimate yes, you get the ultimate no, it's your stuff. It's your stuff. It's your house. It is your prerogative to guard that. It's sacred space for you. It's not worth it to let in anything that is a net negative experience into your house. If you're noticing over time that certain people are giving too many things or certain experiences are weighing on you, it is your job. It's your stewardship to clear those out of your life. Now, I understand what you're saying. You're like, I love my mom. I totally love her and I love that she loves my kids and she gives great gifts, but they're loud or it's too much, right? How do we preserve the relationship and also preserve our sanity at home? Here are some ideas that I have for you. It's okay to say thank you and put away the gift. Be like, thank you so much and put it in the car and then never take it out of the car. If your kids have opened the present and they're playing with it, give them a few days. And then when they lose interest, just pick it up and put it in a box and put it in the basement or the attic for a rainy day when they need a little bit of extra fun. You don't have to keep everything they've ever received out, and nor are they going to play with that every single day. They can't play with every single toy every single day. So it's okay, and you have complete permission to go through and essentialize the things that you need and use and the things that you feel like or helping your family move in a direction that's beneficial. I know that for my kids, certain toys inspire them to be a little bit more aggressive with one another or to fight over who gets a turn when. And these toys aren't worth it to me. While it's worth it for them to have a little bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Not like contention or fighting. Like I don't love it when they're fighting about things. I do like it when they have to work through their issues though. So I do want, toys that inspire problem solving and teamwork, right? That's that's really helpful to me. I, that helps me with my vision for my family. But if it's over and over again, promoting bad attitudes or behaviors that I don't particularly love, pff, get it out of there. It's out of there, man. It's not even worth it. So you can also say to people who are giving these gifts, oh, no gifts, please. And then enforce it. Sometimes we set boundaries, but we're not willing to follow through. We say, no gifts, please. But then when people bring gifts, we say, oh, thanks. And we feel victimized by their giving us a gift. We don't have to. We'll just say, oh, we're not doing gifts this party, but I'll put it in the back of my car and we can get to it another time. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for loving my child. Thank you so much for being here. While it's hard sometimes to back up a boundary enforcement, With love, that is when love is most needed. So if you have a boundary that you'd like to set for gifts or things that you allow into your home during holidays, whatever it is, give your clear boundary, enforce it lovingly, and then show an outpouring of love afterwards. And the person who um, has violated the boundary, who needed a correction, will then understand that it is not them that you are, Um, rebuking. It is not them that you are rejecting. It is just your preference that you're enforcing and it's not about them and it's totally fine. This might feel really uncomfortable for a lot of you to experiment with. And if you are one of these people, you've got to experiment with it. It's so much fun to be able to feel like you can love somebody and also love yourself and show up for your preferences. It's so great because really you can have the win-win. You really can we can get afraid of offending somebody or getting in the way of relationships. And that's really our biggest fear when we want to um, allow gifts that we don't feel good about. And you know what? Gatekeeping is a thing. Gatekeeping is when a mom typically um, shelters a child or an experience from other people and just keeps everybody out. Like the mom who doesn't let anybody cook in her kitchen because it's her kitchen. She wants to keep it exactly how she wants. She wants her food to taste exactly how it should taste everybody out. I'm doing this. Or, um, a parent who thinks they're the better parent and won't let their spouse interact with the children because they do it wrong. This is called gatekeeping. So this is the thing. And of course we want to allow our kids to have relationships with other people. We want to make room for other people in our lives. I totally get it, but that's not what we're talking about. We can't change other people. Ultimately we can make requests But we can only have great boundaries and we can love like crazy. So you're not gatekeeping by setting a boundary. And the way that you're going to know the difference is if you're experiencing love feelings. If you're like, I love you so much and I want you part of my life and let's figure out a way for it to be a win-win and you can hold space for yourself and hold space for the other person, that's when you know it's a great boundary. But if you feel really frustrated by the other person and if you feel like you need to Put up these really solid walls or not talk to somebody or not interact with somebody. Then you know that either there's a gatekeeping thing going, going on or you don't have a strong enough boundary. So you can revisit those feelings if that's coming up for you too. So for my family. We don't like a lot of gifts either. We don't do a lot of stuff babysitting at our house. So we really rely on experiences as gifts. So dates with mom, dates with dad. I encourage their grandparents to give them experience gifts too. So this is like, grandma's going to take you one-on-one to the zoo in a month. And it's going to be awesome. And that's your birthday present. And they love it. They love spending time with people who love them. My kids do. Um, We also really value being outside as a family. So, a lot of things we get are outside toys or games. Uh, We love family gifts. So, something like a hammock or a trampoline or games like card games, board games, something that we can do all together that doesn't take up much space to store. We really like those family gifts. And in our family, actually, we don't eat much sugar either, so I feel like we really have to get creative sometimes because holidays are no longer about uh, what are all the desserts we can eat, what are all the treats that are going to fill the stocking, but it's about how can we celebrate together? What does it mean to celebrate? Does it mean food and presents, or does it mean energy and excitement and togetherness and ways to appreciate one another? It takes a little bit of creativity, it takes a little bit of time, and it definitely doesn't make, um, large industrial, uh, producers of candy and or toys, lots of money, but I found that I am much happier in my home when we make these choices. And I feel like my children are much happier as well. Here's what I've noticed. My kids play longer with less stuff. They play deeper with less stuff. They reorganize and restructure what they have to create new playing environments when they have less. I have less mess to clean up and they have less mess to clean up because I've given up being the maid around my house. And if kids make a mess, I will help them clean it up. But ultimately, it's their responsibility to clean up their own messes. So they like being able to play hard and to clean quickly. And I like that too. My kids love dates and they love the little things. It is so worth it for me to preserve this contentment and this gratitude and this appreciation for the little things by not over giving to my children in material ways and I feel like that's my responsibility as their mom to make sure that they aren't overstimulated so they can appreciate what they already have isn't that interesting I understand that this could be different for everybody but understanding your stimulation set point how overwhelmed you get and by what And your child's stimulation set point, how overwhelmed they get and by what and how quickly, and on the contrast, how bored you get and how quickly, how um, understimulated you could feel and how quickly that happens for you. Understanding these little levers in your life is going to go a super long way when you're deciding on what gifts and what toys and what celebrations you allow into your life. Don't ever feel guilty for making decisions that are best for you and your family and show up all the time in love for both yourself and your children and the people that are trying to love you both. All right, my friends, that is all that I have for you today. I will talk to you next time. Go get messy. just love this podcast. There's even more housey homey family goodness to explore over at intentionalhouse.com.